Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, please. I want to talk to you today about the power of a godly mother. Luke chapter 2, please. I want you to know uh, I've messed up on some of the numbers on this outline. All Dina does is type what I put down, and that should be Luke chapter 1. You know, if you're, not, if you're uh, here for a lot of the time and you're not here for much of the time, you, you see that, as Jim said this morning, we don't have to do things uh, here the way everybody else does, and uh, I have great regard for the way everybody else does it. But uh, what a blessing it is for me at this age and stage of my life, having been on five church staffs in the past and seeing the machine and some good things uh, to operate more as a family. And we're grateful for you and that the Lord has brought you here. We want to go now to the Word of God, chapter 1 of Luke In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed. Now, the betrothal in those days was as legal as a marriage. It was a legally binding engagement is the best way you could put it. And uh, it was, we have already made vows that you are mine and I'm yours. We have not consummated those vows in legal marriage, but a betrothal was a, in fact, it was so serious that if somebody was found to have betrayed, violated the betrothal by having sexual relationships outside of the person to whom they were betrothed, that according to Jewish law, they were capable of being stoned to death. Now that's pretty serious, wouldn't you think? So Mary was betrothed, as we see, to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having, verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, wouldn't you be? No, wouldn't, wouldn't you be? Scholars tell us that Mary was most likely between 14 and 16 years of age in those days of that, that culture. They're, they were raised from the time they were little girls in preparation to be somebody's wife and somebody's mother. And it was very common for a young woman to be married 14 to 16 years old, and very common for the man to be somewhere between 18 and 20. And so it was every little girl's dream, I'm certain, of how marriage and family was going to look. I mean, honestly, can't you say that as a little girl, didn't you have dreams of how you thought it was going to look? 
Mary was no different. And the angel interrupts her dreams and plans and gives her an assignment. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the son of the highest. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, I want you to see what Mary said to that. Verse 34, she asked an obvious question. How can this be? I mean, how, how can this be? Young women, do you ever look at yourself and say, how in the world did I get here? How can God have a plan like this for my life? It's so contrary to what I dreamed of as a little one. In verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that Holy One born of you shall be called the Son of God. For with nothing, verse 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, basically in our vernacular, she said, here I am, Lord, do as you please. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. But I want you to know when she went to her mentor and relative, Elizabeth, and found out that she had been impregnated and was bearing a child in her old age, who we know eventually turned out to be John the Baptist, she sang a song of praise. And I want you to, hallelujah, I want you to look at verse 48. She says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, from this day forward, all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Can I ask you something? When the Lord gives you an assignment, young women, are you willing to say, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me however you have so destined? Whatever that assignment may be, your assignment, listen, listen to me women, whatever your assignment may be, it is more holy than just the biological act of conceiving and bearing a child. Your assignment is holy. The Lord gave Mary an assignment, being a mother, and she considered it an incredible honor. What the Lord can do in your lives, young women, is interrupt your plans and your own preconceived notions and ideas, and it can even confuse and overwhelm you. But understand that becoming a mother means, it is. look, it is the hardest job there is. Being a mother is the hardest job there is. And don't let anybody tell you any differently. But it is the highest and most beautiful and wonderful honoring assignment God can ever give you. It is a holy assignment. Psalm 139, the psalmist says, I was carefully knit together while I was still in my mother's womb. Do you know that when you become a mother, as you carry a child, something supernatural is happening on the inside of you? There is a creator 
who is knitting you together, where? In your mother's womb. So listen to me, mothers. You are a carrier of life. That is holy. And understand this, that you are the carrier of a life that is never going to have an end. There is a beginning of you in your mother's womb, but there is no ending to you. You are going to live forever in eternity. So the bearing of a child is a high and holy gift and honor from God Almighty, the Creator. Well, was it all fun and games? No. Can you imagine the shame and the condemnation that she was facing when Joseph, not to mention anybody close to her, recognized that she was pregnant out of wedlock? How many of you know sometimes God does things that man and not even, not even those who are self-righteous among you can see what God is about in the life that he gives and initiates? Not long after when Jesus was a young child turned a page there to Luke 2 with me. They went into the temple to dedicate the child. Why do we dedicate babies here? Oh, it's a thing to do. All the churches do it. We don't do anything because all the churches do it. Y'all know that by now, don't you? (laughs) No, we're not going to have strobe lights, and I'm not going to come out with a a Speedo and flip-flops. It just ain't going to (laughs) happen. Somebody said, thank you. All right. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I don't even like that image in my mind. All right. (laughs) Oh, boy. All righty then. In Luke chapter 2, there was a baby dedication. Jesus was brought to the temple as was the custom for young Jewish children. And there was a a godly man there named Simeon. The Holy Spirit was continually upon Simeon. And verse 26, chapter 2 of Luke, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. So he came under the direction of the Spirit into the temple. And when his Parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him in his arms. Can you see this? He walked over from Mary and Joseph, took the child Jesus into his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now are you, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Notice verse 34, Simeon blessed them, and then he turned to Mary, his mother, and said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign 
that will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. You know what, the, you know what Simeon was telling her by the Holy Spirit? That there is a holy assignment on this child and there will be great pain involved to you. When we read the scriptures and we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was standing at the foot of the cross watching her only son being brutally murdered, spat upon and condemned and crucified, don't you know a sword pierced her own soul? I want to say to some of you today that sometimes the assignment God gives you with your children can be a painful assignment. The heart of God is a marvelous, wonderful heart of joy, but the heart of God is also a suffering heart. Sometimes as children, we memorize the shortest verse in all the Bible, Jesus wept. But how many of you know that's not the only time if you read Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, you'll find that in the days of his flesh, with loud crying and vehement cries and wails, he cried out to his father who was able to save him. You think he just learned that in Gethsemane or somewhere? Absolutely not. Jesus had a heart. What did he say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes or no? Well, if Jesus cried, what does that tell you about God the Father? Do you know that God the Father cries? Did you know that? If you've seen me, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. He is the exact representation of the invisible God. Sometimes the assignment God gives you with and for your children can be painful. Mary did watch him suffer, but always believed him on his promise to return. And guess who was there on the day of Pentecost, documented in Holy Scripture? Guess who was there 40 days after the resurrection, awaiting the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Documented in Holy Spirit, his mother was there. She believed him. She believed him. If you want to turn to the right there to John chapter 2, you find an interesting passage that's very familiar to all of us. Jesus, when he was an adult and had just started his ministry, his mother was alert to opportunities to encourage her to use his gifts. You know that the first miracle happened at a wedding party. Well, I know Jesus went to parties. Well, read your Bible. Jesus and his disciples, chapter 2, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. In verse 3, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, 
said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour, that is the hour in which I'm to demonstrate all the Father has assigned me to do, is not yet come. And I'm sure with a wink, his mother turned aside and said to the servants, the attendants at the wedding, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Do you understand that in that culture, the most embarrassing, humiliating thing that could ever happen to a family would be to run out of wine and the, the other things they served in the marriage ceremony and meal. So Mary sees an issue, and she goes to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine. This is going to be embarrassing and humiliating to the host and uh, at first, Jesus was not engaged. I find this really funny. He was not engaged. But then he, she says, whatever he tells you to do, you just do it. Notice something here, mothers, to your adult children. She didn't badger her child to do what she wanted him to do. She didn't try to manipulate and coerce her adult child to do what she wanted him to do when and how she wanted him to do it. The mark of a good mother allows their adult children to come to that point. You can make suggestions, but there's a difference in saying, now you need to be you gotta, no gotta and need to with your adult children. It's okay to give them an opportunity and encourage them in their gifts. And it's okay to encourage them to take the next step in using their gifts. But badgering and trying to manipulate is not going to work. Mary showed respect to Jesus. And notice Jesus showed great respect to Mary. And it turned out to be the performing of his first miracle. In fact, if you study water pots in those days, and I know that's just what you want to do every day, but you will find out that when all of these water pots were full, and there were numerous ones of them, that there was between 120 and 150 gallons made. That was a big wedding party, I would assume. And I assumed if they consumed all that, there probably wasn't a whole lot of depression going on that day. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> if you're real religious and self-righteous, you're not going to do good here. <laughs> we just kind of, all right. Yeah, I'm not promoting anything. I'm just telling you the story. It's amazing how I get blamed for I'm not promoting anything. This is just the story. All right. She encouraged her son to use his gift. She believed in him. I want you to turn to John 7. I want you to, I'm going to show you something because there were some family issues going on in Jesus' family. Did you know that? I mean, did you think 
that he just sailed through life because he was God's son and there was never any deal. There was just this holy light over the family all the time and there were never any issues. Did you think that? Chapter 7. I want you to see something there in verse 5. I didn't put the print in there just right. Even his brothers did not believe in him. And if you read the context, you'll find out that his brothers tried to get him to go to Jerusalem, into Judea. And if he had gone right then, he would have been killed prematurely. Even his brothers did not believe in him. In fact, if you read chapter 2 and verse 12, you'll find out that Mary and his brother, they all came together to talk to him. And we see here that they tried to get him to get out of the assignment he was in. You need another line of work here. You need to do something different. This is not working. And you know what a lot of it was? People are really talking about you and how you are, you're doing all this teaching, you're in this ministry, and people are criticizing and, and condemning you. And a lot of times family members don't want to go through the shame and condemnation, so they'll try to change their sibling to try to get him or her to do something that is more socially acceptable. And get them out of their assignment. But I want you to notice something. Mary never stopped believing in, supporting, encouraging, praying for her child, even when others in the family rejected him. Do you know what happened in the end? They came around. Do you know that even the ringleader of that rebellion, whose name was James, one of the brothers of Jesus, do you know that he, after the resurrection and Pentecost, he became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem? Here's what I'm trying to tell you, mothers. When you have grown siblings who are not getting along with each other and there's rejection and there's issues going on internally in your family, don't stop believing in your child who is being rejected and condemned. Don't join the critical group in your family that is criticizing or rejecting one of your children. You can dislike their choices. But the Lord will not allow you to remove or neglect their value if you walk by His Spirit. You can challenge them on their decisions, but you can never withdraw the affirmation and value of the, who they are in their person. You can remove yourself from enabling their brokenness. 
You don't have to put up with certain things in the atmosphere of your own home. You can remove yourself from enabling that brokenness, but you can't withdraw your love and your prayers and your affirmation and your hope that God will still turn it around. Mary apparently became widowed early. Did you know that? Joseph evidently died younger than a lot of men in our culture for sure. It was not all that uncommon in that culture for men to die in their 40s. Mary apparently became widowed early. Pastor, where you get that? Well, as you read different passages in the Gospels, you'll find out that it's Mary and the sons and occasionally the daughters who came. And by the way, in case you didn't realize this, Jesus obviously was the firstborn. The Bible mentions four brothers of Jesus and sisters, plural. Doesn't give a number on the sisters. Sisters, plural, and four brothers. So there was a minimum of six brothers and sisters in Jesus' family. Not including Jesus. But every time you see Jesus in his ministry, when his family came, it was always Mary and his brothers or brothers and sisters. No mention whatsoever of Joseph. And in that culture, the dad was the man. You read the lineage of Jewish men, it, it, the lineage was recorded through the men. But Joseph is not mentioned after Jesus became involved in his ministry at 30 years old. Mary apparently became widowed early, but she kept her faith and she stayed the course. We do find that her sons seemed to be with her on different occasions, and we do know at the cross that Jesus looked down from the cross and said to John, his disciple, behold, your mother, now you help take care of her. Right? That would have never happened had Joseph been alive. Jesus wouldn't have signed somebody to take care of her. She evidently received a special grace from the Lord to be her guide, her provider, her constant companion. I want to say to all the women here today, a man is not the answer to the fulfillment of your life. A man is not the meter of your needs, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial. You have a provider who is far higher than a man. You have a provider who is far more wealthy than the man who is your husband. You have a provider who is never in recession. You have a lover who never is self-absorbed in his own motives towards you. 
You have some, you, you have a constant companion on the inside of you as a believer who will always know how to listen and always knows how to respond to you in a way that you can understand. Never be deceived into believing that a man is the answer to your inner seeking and fulfillment. Not true. And if you make a man that, you are going to be highly disappointed and broken at some point. Number one, he's not capable of being God to you. And number two, he was, he never can come close to being what that incredible internal spirit of God can be to you and for you. Now I want to say to all the single mothers today, and in our country today, we have over 20 million, 20 million children without two parents living in the home. 20 million I want to say to all the single mothers today, if you will seek him with all your heart, I believe based on the word of God, on the faithfulness of God, and on the testimony of a, of a mother named Mary, that there is special grace to you. Special grace. God can get, God can do things no husband can do. God can be there with you when no man can understand. I believe that there is special grace available to those who are trying to raise children by themselves. Is that an invitation that that is always God's highest and best? Absolutely not. But I want to tell you something. There is not a single one of us in this church or in the body of Christ who is always walking in everything God wants for us. We're all broken. We all come short of his highest and best, do we not? So if you find yourself in that circumstance and situation, there's no condemnation and there's no shame. There is special grace available to you if you will seek the Lord with all your heart and trust and depend on him. As your provider, your guide, your constant companion, there is grace there. Well, being a mother can't give you purpose. It cannot give you purpose. It cannot fulfill you in your heart, but it can. It can give you your greatest life's calling and assignment. It is a high and holy calling to be a mother. And as your pastor today, we bless you. We pray mighty blessings and favor on you. I ask all of the mothers to stand today, please. Just stand right where you are.
Mighty God, as this family of believers today, we come with one heart and one mind. And we bless these, your daughters, who have been the vehicle through which life has come into this earth. We thank you that you have honored them with the precious and holy privilege and honor of being a mother. And today, Lord, for your daughters, I ask you for a special blessing. Comfort them where they're hurting. Touch them in that place of deepest pain. And as you did for the mother of your own son, strengthen them, encourage them, put your hand on them, bless them mightily. God, take them to new levels of intimacy with you. Take them to new levels of bearing fruit in the lives of their children and all the assignments that you give them, Lord. Bless them today. Give them on the inside an a, a ongoing glimpse of how special your daughters are to you. Pull the curtains back where there's been condemnation and confusion and, and doubt and fear and rejection. And by your Spirit, pour out your love in your daughters, Lord, and give them a revelation of how much you love them and care for them. Oh God, minister. Minister to your daughters today, Lord. Oh. Comfort them, Holy Spirit. Guide them. Take them to new levels. And Lord Jesus, I pray you'd break the curse off every one of them. The curse of rejection. The curse of shame. The curse of poverty or lack. Oh, Father, let your mighty cloud of blessing descend on these, your daughters. Encourage them today. How we bless you and we bless them today. Would you be seated, please? Would all of you join me now in a prayer just in your own heart? Just say it right out loud, a blessing for the mothers. Just say it right out loud. Just speak your praise and thanksgiving for what God has invested in your heart, in your life. And if you can't do that, give the Lord thanks that He is going to enable you to help somebody be something that you never had.
Let's all stand. May these go out today, Lord, with new strength, new joy, a new sense of your holy assignment. In the precious and holy name of Jesus and all the people said, we'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.